Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Damn Good Dogcast. I'm your host, Dylan. I'm here today with JD. How's it going? Colin. What's up? And Luke. It's great to be back, y'all. It is so good to be back, isn't it, guys? Long, hot summer. Um, I think we can all agree that it was a little too hot at times. Yeah. Nonetheless, we're back in this slightly air-conditioned room. (laughs) Um, Georgia in August is hot? (laughs) <laughs> Who would have guessed? Right. But no. Speaking of hot, um, a lot of hot topics to cover in the NFL, so let's get right into it. Uh, what are some things that you guys have heard out of training camp that you guys like, you guys don't like, specifically for fantasy maybe? Let's just get straight into fantasy. Talk. Well, definitely don't touch Trey Lance. <laughs> He's never going to see the field. I've heard a thing or two about him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brock Purdy seems to have taken that job, and apparently Sam Darnold is going to be QB2. Uh, that's what it looks like. I mean... Trey Lance just looks so bad. Like it's uh, Michael Lombardi was quoted as like at the end of the day, uh, he just when his mom picked him up out of the crib, he didn't have that QB instinct. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's rough. But yeah, it's quite a shame that the Niners moved all the way up to what three to pick him over like Justin Fields, yeah. M- most prominently Justin Fields. There was. There was one other guy, right, in yeah, that class? Yeah, but it was just the fact that they gave up three first-round picks to yeah. move up to get him. Like, yeah, was, potentially going to be going down as one of the biggest overpays. I mean, dra- you can't I, draft bust is a questionable term for a guy who's had injury and really not the opportunity to start a lot of games. But the t- if the talent's not there, why why would he? So, I mean, I think, you know, Guys, like, uh, is that that's is that the Jamar Chase draft? Yeah, with Waddle, uh, Penny Sewell, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Pat Sertan, like, there are so many guys in the NFL right now that would have made a, such an impact on that team. It but. was the Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and then who went off the board at four? Uh, uh, Zach Wilson followed up by Trey Lance. <laughs> no, forced Kyle Pitts to the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And then uh, Holy, imagine Kyle Pitts in a Kyle Shanahan oh offense, bro. Gosh. That would be insane. I mean, look what he does with Debo. But look at what he did with Austin Hooper when he was in Atlanta. That, yeah, Pro Bowler for for no reason. Yeah, that dude. Oh my God, Kyle Pitts in San Fran would be ridiculous. I mean, look at what he did with Owen Daniels and freaking the Houston. Like, oh yeah, no. I mean, no bad bad players turn well. Yeah. So so well, I, Trey Lance not touching Trey Lance in fantasy to me was kind of obvious. Um, one name that I'm hearing a lot from out of camp is uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, obvious. I think a lot of people have Calvin Ridley on their radar by now, but I was lucky enough, or I guess smart enough, not to have myself <laughs> on the back, but uh, <laughs> um, to pick him up off the waiver wire right at the end of last season when the Falcons traded him to Jacksonville, and now I'm keeping him as an eighth-round pick, which is insane because Calvin Ridley has league-winning wide receiver potential. So, like, just go look at the clips of him coming out of Jaguars camp. The dude's feet are phenomenal. Like, he hasn't lost a beat. See, now, not somebody that I'd take in early rounds, but if you forget to take a quarterback and you're getting to the middle or late rounds, uh, Anthony Richardson's been named the starting quarterback, and he's going to have rushing yards. And so he could be a decent fantasy QB this year. Yeah, absolutely. The floor is really high for him just because he's going to be in each and every single play that he does because he's uber-athletic, will be able to escape the pocket, probably scramble a lot probably 10 plus carries a game no doubt in my mind and then he has the capability to just throw a bomb you're gonna get a 75 yard touchdown a couple weeks in a row potentially and he can light it up if he's all there but the turnovers might be prominent in year one I mean that being said though I feel like early on in the season he might struggle a little bit because we did see in this preseason that you know he threw an interception that was kind of ugly but I mean you're playing against I mean it is preseason yes but you're playing against the Bills defense so you know there is a little bit of uh 
um, leniency when it comes to that. But I feel like when he starts getting comfortable is when he's going to start getting dangerous because, um, you know, Michael Pittman as a number one wide receiver number one is a very good option also. I mean, obviously, he might, again, struggle because Richardson's going to struggle early on. But the backup is what? Minshew, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so Gardner Minshew. Even if Minshew comes in and, you know, he's has a reliable arm and has won games for the Jaguars in the past. So if Minshew comes in to replace Anthony Richardson or Randy Richardson just stays hot, gets hot and runs with it, I think the Colts can be, be a very interesting team to launch. I think the thing that hurts Anthony Richardson most is just the lack of a wide receiver core. Like Michael Pittman, you could argue he's a wide receiver one, but he's a low-end wide receiver one, in my opinion. I, was, I meant wide receiver one for, for their team, yeah, obviously. Well, I've made it clear in the past how I feel about Michael Pittman. I feel like he's a wide receiver, too, playing the wide receiver one role. Um, I do like Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is a big body. He's got good hands coming out of Cincinnati. He's a second-year guy. Um, if he can make that leap, Alec Pierce may even be the wide receiver one there. Um, that being said, he's not going to be high-end wide receiver one. I don't think he has that kind of potential, but... He could be a solid option for Anthony Richardson. Losing Paris Campbell hurts them a lot. Paris Campbell was one of the most underrated slot receivers in the league last year. He flew under everybody's radar, especially late in the season when he had like three or four straight weeks of 15-plus fantasy points. Um, Losing that kind of production hurts a rookie quarterback. And especially with the Jonathan Taylor situation, I do worry a little bit about Anthony Richardson. But... I do really hope that things work out for him. I never want to see a rookie quarterback with his talent go to waste. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Now, speaking of impactful rookies, though, I think somebody who should go in the first round is B. John Robinson. Like, statistics have shown that rookie running backs make their most production their first year in comparison to any other year. And so I feel he should be a top 10 pick hands down. Oh, absolutely. Um, in my fantasy draft, um, the one that I do every year, my dynasty league. Um, I have pick eight, and I'm praying that he falls to me. But the fact that there's so many keepers worries me a little bit. But I would absolutely take a flyer on Bijan. the The fact that he hasn't played an NFL snap should not deter you because this dude has proven time and time again that he has been ready for the NFL since his sophomore year. Since the beginning of his sophomore year. Well, and I mean, just look at what Barkley did their first year. McCaffrey did his first year. Um, what's his name with the Chiefs uh, before he got benched? This uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. Yeah. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did his first year. Like their rookie years, first round draft pick running backs perform. Right. Zeke as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say the whole situation for Bijan going into the Falcons when they've transferred their offense to like a run heavy. I mean, they beat to the O line, side re- 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 Chris Lindstrom. Um, they brought in Jonu Smith for an extra blocking tight end. I mean, you're running Algier and Cordero. I mean, that team is built for the run, so Bichon is expected to blow up that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Falcons, if they don't lead the league in rushing yards, then something happened. Like it, Because obviously Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. He comes from Tennessee where he had Derrick Henry, just absolute freaking bulldozer. So running a two-running-back system... And being able to line up Bijan wherever he wants and go into a five like five wide at times, that offense could be scary if Desmond Ritter comes around. But let's not talk about specific teams. I want to stay on the topic of running backs. I mentioned Jonathan Taylor a little bit ago. Um, let's just start with him because obviously we've had quite a few running back fallouts this offseason. Um, starting in Indianapolis, where do we think it's headed? Uh, I mean, for me, I think he's not going to stay in Indianapolis long term, like uh, other than Jim Ursay forcing him to because Ursay is Ursay. Like, I don't yeah. know how else to describe that. 
but he doesn't want to be there. Uh, I feel even though he had a down year and he needs to prove himself, it's with all the stuff going on, it's just not going to happen. It's just not the right situation right now. Yeah. I did see a quote from Coach Steichen uh, the other day saying he expects Jonathan Taylor to come to camp soon and start um, ramping up his workload and getting ready for the season. He said um, hopefully within the next week he's you know they've had a healthy conversation. And if, if Steichen's able to do that and maybe rekindle some kind of relationship there because, you know, Ursay is he's not going to be the guy he is day-to-day operating with, right? He's going to be with... Coach Steichen, the offense, if he can somehow repair that relationship in any way, that's going to help the team because it's a young team with a young quarterback. I think it would be beneficial for both sides if Taylor stepped in and he could prove, he could prove to the league and the team that I can overcome this negative scenario. And if, you know, say he still wants his way out, he showed the characteristics of leadership, which every team is going to be looking for. I mean, the main way to fix the relationship is pay the man, but (laughs) well, I I definitely do agree with Luke. Um, Jonathan Taylor is what, like 26, 27? Probably not even. I feel like he's he's 25. He's 23. No, he's not. He's only been in the league two years. Yeah, but he was like— He was at at Wisconsin for a while. He was 21 when he came into the league. Let's look this up. He's 24. 24, sorry. Well, then he's right in the middle of where we were guessing. But point is, this dude is incredibly young. He's not that much older than the core that they have right now with Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Anthony Richardson. If he were to stick around, that team grows together, and that team could potentially grow into a really solid core under the coaching of Shane Steichen. So I really do hope that the Colts and Jonathan Taylor figure this thing out. Jonathan Taylor is a tremendously talented running back, and... I'd hate to see that talent go to waste, like similarly to how Le'Veon Bells went to waste. Speaking of talent go to waste, how do y'all feel about the Jets signing Dalvin Cook? I still don't really understand the thought process there. And I've been trying to rationalize it in my head because I don't want to sound dumb, you know, like when I talk about it, especially on a microphone to an audience. But I just, I can't, like, I give a rationale for why they would have signed him except for the fact that Brees Hall tore his ACL. But even then, why would you take a rental on a starting caliber running back when you know you're either going to have to bench him or bench your star rookie? You're not a rookie anymore, obviously, in Brees Hall, but the point stands. Like You have a perfectly serviceable running back waiting in the wings as soon as he's back from injury. Maybe you don't have the backup right now. I think they still have Michael Carter. Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so let Michael Carter run for four weeks. He's proven that he's serviceable. Like, I just don't get it. You know, you got it, yeah. I get it from Dalvin Cook's standpoint. I mean, he's getting close to what some of the top running backs are getting paid. Like, he got an $8.6 million deal. So he's, he's getting close to that $10 million franchise mark that some of the other guys got. And then he's joining the Jets, who have all this hype around Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and the defense. And so he's trying to join a Super Bowl contender. Uh, but from the Jets' standpoint, it's like, you are already Super Bowl contenders. And I get it that they're like, okay, why not have two great running backs? But there's a lot of running backs that they want the ball every down and they feel they have to get fed to get going. And so if both Cook and Hall feel that way, it's okay, who are you going to feed? Like Now, one one thing that I could see is maybe Aaron Rodgers had something to do with this because look at the backfield he had in Green Bay. You had Aaron Jones as your primary back. And then you had A.J. Dillon as like a third down back. Now, I think Brees Hall is a lot more valuable than just a third down back. That dude could be a 
three down back, not just a third third and short guy, but a three down bruiser, like workhorse back. But I do think that what the Jets are trying to do is give Aaron Rodgers a similar offense to what he succeeded with in Green Bay. And even if that does just mean the one-year contract to Dalvin Cook, like they're going for a Super Bowl now. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what I was about to say before. You know, we th- we look back on Nathaniel Hackett's offense in the Green Bay system back in 2020 and 2021. I don't I think Jamal Williams was there 2020, maybe had left before then, but either way, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and then Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Not similar, I mean, maybe Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, similar-ish play styles, but the running backs, whatever. Either way, two-headed monster in the backfield, two weapons. I mean, you're you're bringing over Alan Lazard, you're bringing over the offensive coordinator, you're exactly right. They're trying to replicate what he had in Green Bay where he won back-to-back MVPs in his late 30s. Why, why, why would you not want to do that? You know, so that's, that is, and another thing, Brees Hall, you don't want to rush him back from injury, right? That, that guy could be a perennial pro bowler, all pro type level running back. He's probably, he's probably one of the next great running backs in the NFL. And when you have a guy like Dalvin Cook who can, you can sign on the market for an incentivized deal, why not? Why not? Especially when Aaron Rodgers takes a pay cut. You have a lot of uh, money open cap space this season. Let's just take the shot and get as many weapons as we can and go for the Super Bowl. So I, I, I that's how I rationalize it from an outside perspective. I mean, I was just going to say, like, just looking at the baseline of it, Reese Hall was a pretty good receiving back. I mean, pretty decent average before he, you know, got injured and whatnot. But, I mean, Dalvin Cook in the receiving end, kind of like what the Falcons are trying to do with Bijan. You know, you, have a, you can put him out wide. I feel like just creating as many sets as, you know, Hackett wants to and, and that offense can make him more explosive. I mean, I honestly I feel bad for Michael Carter and even Zonovan Knight because that room bes- behind Brees Hall originally was still that deep. So bringing him in, yes, Rodgers did take his pay cut and they, you know, found some room to pay Dalvin Cook. But, I mean, I think you're right about the whole explosiveness thing. But, I mean, it if you have a lot of guys that are button heads for over rep for reps, it may not – it might implode on them, but we'll see. I do – I think the AFC East is the most interesting division in football, like by far. Um, you've got – Obviously, the Bills, who have been successful for years now. Um, the Patriots, they're eh. You, you don't really know what they're going to be. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what they have with an actual offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, and then, of course, you have the Dolphins, who have the two-headed monster of Tyreek and Jalen Waddle catching passes from Tua. But then you have the Jets, which the team we're talking about right now. Who is the most talented wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Yeah. Yeah, very clearly. You you can't name another one. Jordy Nelson in his prime. Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson wasn't Cobb. bad. Garrett Wilson um, is better than all those guys. Oh, he's better than them, but I'm saying he he's, he has had talented yeah. receivers. Well, yeah, but my point is this is the second most talented wide receiver Aaron Rodgers has had. This might be the best wide receiver core he's played with since he had Tay and Jordy Nelson. Like, this is a good team. This is the best offense that Aaron Rodgers has been a part of in the past five to ten years. Oh, their Super Bowl wide receiver core was pretty stacked. Like, uh, Greg had, Jennings. Yeah, Jennings, Jennings and Driver. Cobb, yeah. Driver. Like. Jordy Nelson. It, it was a lot of supplemental guys who combined to make a really solid receiving core. I mean, that's always been Green Bay. They've uh, Before Devontae Adams, they never really had that true – Number one guy. Yeah, but I think I do think it's definitely going to benefit Aaron Rodgers not to just have to throw jump balls because Garrett Wilson is a wide receiver who is definitely able to create separation on his own. And on top of that, he's got his big target in Alan Lazard back. 
So I, I really do think that the Jets have a chance to take this division, but I don't think the Bills are going to just fall over and let it go easily. I Nobody's talking about the Bills. That team is the exact same team as it was last year, and it only got better. So I really do think that the Bills and the Jets are both going to finish 12-5, and 13-4. and four. They're both going to be really, really good. So are you sleeping on the Dolphins, though? Like, I am sleeping on the Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> I just still don't feel the Dolphins have the defense to keep up because that's the thing. The Bills and the Jets both had good defenses last year, whereas the Dolphins, like, they were okay. Yeah. I think I think they did upgrade. I think, you know, but now that Ramsey's hurt, it's going to hurt them at the beginning of the season, right? That, that was a huge pickup in my eyes, and – Previous to his injury, I honestly had the Dolphins winning the division because I, I thought I thought that was the key piece that they needed. They still got Jalen Phillips, who's just a budding edge rusher, and then Agba. The defensive line's there, Christian Wilkins, and then obviously the offense. But then, you know, I look at it. The way to attack the Bills secondary and the Jets secondary is the boundaries, right? You're going to go – you got to go back shoulder, out of bounds on these passes. And I don't think Tua can do it. I really don't. I don't think he, you know, the whole, the question's been his health and his arm strength are his two things. And putting it sideline out of bounds over elite cornerbacks like Sauce Gardner, um, Tredavious White, it's a tough task for him. So I, I don't think they can win the division now. But the only thing I know is that the Patriots are going to be fourth place. So. <laughs> Well, let's pivot back to the fantasy side of things real quick. And, uh, J.D., why don't you tell me who you have going first in your fantasy draft? Uh, I got Jamar Chase. Uh, I feel like him, uh, you know what you're getting. He's still paired with T. Higgins. Joe Burrow is still top three quarterback in the league right now. Like, And so you know exactly what you're going to get. I feel Kirk Cousins is going to have a down year. Uh, he, uh, What's him call it? Uh, Jay Jettas is paired with uh, – Jordan Addison now, we don't know what that combination is going to give us. Uh, their offensive line didn't make any improvements. Uh, they lost Alvin Cook, so I just feel that Jamar Chase is a safer pick at number one overall for me. And that's fair. Uh, me, personally, I like between Jamar and Jay Jettas, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion. Like You're getting the wide receiver one or wide receiver two because those two guys are just a step above everyone else because of the offense they're in, because of prior production, and because of continuity in Jamar's case. Um, you can make an argument that the Vikings have lost some continuity, especially considering you just lost Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, as you pointed out. But my opinion is that although Jordan Addison will probably come in and be a little sharper than Adam Thielen, um, that's another guy for defenses to cover. And it's going to give Justin Jefferson the ability to get more open. And then you also brought up uh, Dalvin Cook being gone. I don't think Alexander Madison's that big of a step down. Um, I think Alexander Madison can come in and replace Dalvin Cook pretty efficiently. And as a result, I don't think the Vikings offense is going anywhere. I I 100% agree with that. I mean, Kirk has really just just gotten continually better. Um, you know, he's put up he's put up solid numbers his whole career, but the past two seasons he's really proved I think why he probably at the bottom 10 of top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL. I don't, I don't think that should really be a debate. The, just the, the all-around talent is there. When a rookie comes in to be your wide receiver too, I think you as the best player on the team can command however many targets that you want. And I still think there's going to be some growing pains with Jordan Addison, at least to start off the year. So Jefferson could go nuclear to start off. And I think, 
I mean, with that all being said, I'm probably taking CMC 101 just because of positional um, value. value, positional value. It's it's so much harder to get a elite, a top-tier running back than it is to get above-average receivers in fantasy. Um, and there's just more receivers to go around. So um, I would pick CMC 101. Yeah, my, my only issue with CMC is he seems to be an every other year guy, like as far as injury, and so, so it's such a risky pick. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's what you yeah, live with like, in this sport. <laughs> you know, you're gonna put your money in, and hopefully, no one gets injured. It's all luck. But I do like the idea of taking a running back number one overall, especially in certain situations. Like, there's a lot more wide receivers to go around. You know it. You have one high-volume running back, whereas in an offense, you could have potentially two high-volume wide receivers. You're going to see that in Philadelphia this year with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both catching a lot of passes. Oh, and with a lot of teams switching to two-back systems, there's probably only, what, like eight high-volume running backs left nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's uh, CMC, uh, Nick Chubb. But even in CMC's case, you've got guys like Debo who are going to take snaps out of the backfield, you know? I mean, when Christian McCaffrey came to San Francisco last year, there was no Debo running back competition. There was He would get three rushes a game. And especially since he's so versatile in the backfield, or in the, out of the backfield, it yeah. doesn't even matter. Put him put him at slot wide receiver while Debo's in the backfield, and he yeah. can still score. I was it, like, that CMC-Debo combo just opens everything up. For him and, yeah. him and Debo are interchangeable. The I Shanahan agree. system in general is just so fluid. Like That's kind of a one-off like one where it's like, okay, it's not really going to matter who you put in the backfield because CMC is going to get his get his uh, brownie points, you know, his receptions, his run, his yards, all-purpose yards, anywhere else on the field. So, yeah. Well, uh, my 101 is Anthony Richardson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's Justin Jefferson for the reasons that I explained earlier. He, he's the most talented wide receiver in the league. Like, don't don't look past that. Don't don't overthink. Stupid. You know, like just take the obvious answer. That's just me. You make valid points for Jamar Chase. You make valid points for Christian McCaffrey as well. Like. And- it also depends on your strategy because some people are take a wide receiver first and then draft your running backs, whereas other people, because running back's such a value position like we talked about, you go two, maybe even three running backs a row in a row in your first two or three rounds. Like and so it's it's all strategy. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also at least for me, how you how you performed in the previous season. Right? If you if you were rough in the previous season and you had the one oh one, you gotta go with someone who is consistent and will give you fifteen hopefully 20 fantasy points every single week that you just need that consistency, right? That's at least my mindset. I think out of the out of Chase, Jets, and um, CMC, I think Jets has the highest floor, probably the safest pick out of those three. Um, so if that's also your way, uh, that's, a, that's a good strategy. But, you know, you you're, say you're coming off the championship and you, you got the 101 and you're, and you're pick one out of a hat – you might as well go for broke and try and score the most points in the league every week, and that's probably a Jamar Chase or type route. So, well, let's talk about wide receivers past the first round. Do we got? Do we have any sleepers or just guys that pop out after outside the first round? So my sleeper pick uh, is one of the Broncos receivers, either Judy or Mims, depending on how late of a sleeper we're talking. Like mid rounds, Judy. Uh, but I still feel with uh, Tim Patrick getting hurt and Mar Hamlin having cancer, I believe it was. Uh, you mean no, heart KJ, KJ Hamler? KJ Hamler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, having uh, his heart condition, uh, that pushes Mims into the three slot. And so it's going to be Judy and Mims pulling a lot of targets and uh, 
I just feel that both of them could be high volume, even if they don't necessarily produce a lot of yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, especially with Sean Payton taking the helmet head coach, hopefully getting Russ back on track. The Broncos' offense could be dangerous, and I really do like Judy as a breakout candidate. Um, I actually have two. These are both of my keepers, actually, because my team sucked in fantasy last year. Um, My eighth-round keeper, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, is Calvin Ridley. Um, Looks... Absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if that really counts as a sleeper right now, but that's. I mean, yeah. Well, we talked about wide receivers outside the first round, is what I mean. And right now, his ADP is like sixth round, I believe. Yeah. And so, for Calvin Ridley to be going that late is just insane because that dude has top five wide receiver potential. In my opinion, he's got it written all over him. Catching passes from Trevor Lawrence, sharing, uh, sharing targets. Sorry, I couldn't find the word <laughs> with Christian Kirk. Uh, Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby out of the backfield. That offense is dynamic, and Calvin Ridley is going to benefit a lot from that. Uh, my other guy is another guy we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, OH, obviously. but I don't know if he falls out of the first round necessarily. Well, in my draft, um, I drafted him in the 12th round last year, and so mm-hmm. he is a 12th round keeper for me. Yeah, but, you can't count le- keeper league. You have to count. But the, I feel like I know. From, <laughs> but, from from what I've seen personally, if you're playing like a like a twelve man PPR, he's going like late second, early third. So. Yeah, but yeah. he's definitely a guy to watch. He also has top five to ten wide receiver written all over him this year. So those are two guys at wide receiver specifically that I'm on the lookout for. Yeah, um, you had actually just mentioned one of the guys I was going to bring out, Christian Kirk. I mean. We're going to talk about a guy every the public is weary on because of the hype of Calvin Ridley, right? Why? I mean, you can you can splurge on Calvin Ridley in the in the sixth or wherever you want to take him. Five six rounds later, there's Christian Kirk who operated out of the slot eighty five percent of the time last year, and Calvin Ridley never takes a snap in the slot. He is a boundary receiver. Why can't Trevor Lawrence sling pill? I mean, he did it with Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk last year. You know, Zay Jones, he's probably the guy that falls out of the rotation from those guys. And I don't see a reason why Christian Kirk can't continue a baller performance he built on from last season. I want to add on to that. Um, Just because I'm very high on Calvin Ridley does not mean that I'm sleeping on Christian Kirk. That offense is going to be so good. Either of those two guys will help you win your league. Like Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. So don't be scared to draft either of them just because they're sharing targets. Yeah, you, there's I, I always stayed away from that argument where it's like there's too many mouths to feed. If you have good players, they're going to get the ball, and you should not be afraid to take those players. Look at what Miami did last year with you know, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Both of those guys were top 20 wide receivers. Probably top 10, I think. Yeah, yeah what, Tyreek was like 3 and then I think it was 3 and Waddle 10. Was, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It, was, it was insane. The, the Jaguars have that same potential with Doug Peterson at the helm. Yes, at least for the receiver position. Running back, completely different story. You, you can't have three running backs on the field at the yeah. same time, so that's completely different. But then my second sleeper, I'm, I'm high. I'm a little bit higher on the Packers and the, the, than the public, but so, and this preseason and training camp, Romeo Dobbs has been Jordan Love's favorite target. Wow. So in a, in a 13th or 14th round, you need a, a potential flex guy or someone who could command the most targets in that offense. Matt LaFleur is, is going to throw the ball a good bit. Why not get Romeo Dobbs, who's a good deep ball threat, who can catch a couple touchdown passes? He's not going to have the dynamic play style like Christian Watson. But pure 
you know, receiving aspect, I think Dobbs can can really, really be good for Green Bay this year. You know, I commend you for going after like a flex wide receiver two range guy, whereas we're all talking about wide receiver one potential. Um, what? I Marvin, I mean, Judy, 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 Judy yeah, I was gonna Marvin, say, Marvin Mims. Mims. No. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's wide receiver one potential for sure. Yeah. Marvin Mims, not so much. But nonetheless, I feel like now I'm obligated to mention a guy who I see as a flex wide receiver two guy. Um, either of the Texans wide receivers. I'm going to go out on the limb and say either Nico Collins or John Mechie, maybe even Tank, Tank Dell. Dell, yeah. The, the, the issue there is that it's hard to figure out which one is going to be the number one before the regular season starts because John Mechie's coming off cancer, Tank Dell's a rookie, and Nico Collins hasn't had a legitimate quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to figure out who C.J. Stroud likes the most, but maybe you don't even have to draft him, but look for him on the waiver wire because one of those guys is going to be a wide receiver two flex option. Yeah, after, after week one, whatever – guys commanding the most targets in week one I think that's who you're going to trust for the season quick quick routes I think it's probably going to be Mechie for I me. like Mechie as well I th- out of the three of those just because I think Mechie and Dell are similar ish play styles but since Mechie is not a rookie I mean kind of a rookie because you know he unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer but he beat it so that's fantastic for him but he's been in the NFL trained a little bit longer did a little more playbooks, researching, all that type of stuff. And he's probably going to be a short yardage guy. C.J. Stroud may not have the time to throw. I think it's going to be him out of those three if I had to pick to break out. So, yeah. But Dalton Schultz, we're not, I know we're not talking about tight ends, but it could also be him. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to tight ends in a little bit. But, Colin, I'm sorry to keep you no, waiting. It's a good, Go ahead and give us your guys. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, two guys we haven't talked about. One, another house guy, Chris Olave. He does have obviously one potential, but I feel like with Derek Carr getting him a legitimate quarterback, he already proved it last year, even with under, under um, what, Jameis until he got injured, and then Jameis and, and, and the Red Rocket. And, yeah. and Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah, the whole. And, and Ian Book for a week. Yeah. Don't forget Ian Book. Exactly. So Disaster. I, Olave is going to be a league winner if you if you take him. And then another guy, again, we haven't heard a lot from him because, you know, the whole their offense has been up in the air, but I was going to say DJ Moore. On the Bears, I feel like Justin Fields can turn him into a weapon, even though we did see him score in the preseason, but yes, they were on screens. But he still has that dynamic playmaker ability. I think DJ Moore is going to be heavily underrated. I'm very glad you brought up DJ Moore's name. Uh, He's a guy that even I forgot about until I saw his name come up on my draft board. His ADP right now is like, what, fifth round? Something like that. This yeah. th- this dude is going to be another one of those guys who has true wide receiver one potential catching passes from Justin Fields. So really good picks right there, Colin. Thank you. Uh, JD, let's move to running backs. Oh, I thought we'd go to tight ends, but we can go to tight ends. That's fine. Either way, for tight ends, for sleeper, uh, my number one sleeper is actually going to be Laporta with the Lions. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah. I feel like the Lions' offense is going to be very dynamic, and Laporta they don't have a tight end one after getting rid of Hawkinson, and so. He's going to step in and pick up a lot of volume. Well, he's another Iowa tight end, right? Yeah. And yeah. we know how Iowa tight ends <laughs> do in the league. Like, yeah. And then my other sleeper tight end, not, not necessarily a sleeper, but somebody, a bust-out candidate, is uh, Fryermuth with the Steelers. Yeah. yeah. He's going to yeah. get a lot of targets. Pat Fryermuth's going to have a great year in uh, Pittsburgh. And as long as he can put up the numbers that I'm expecting him to put up, the Steelers could very well make a – playoff run them and the Broncos are going to be right there for my seven seed but um, 
I'll move into my tight ends. Uh, maybe not so much a sleeper just because his name has been so prominent over the past few years, but Dalton Schultz um, going to Houston. One thing that tends to happen with rookie quarterbacks is they love their safety blankets. They get a little scared because nine times out of ten you're being thrown into a rebuild where there's no offensive line. And look at the situation C.J. Stroud's in. Dalton Schultz is the perfect safety blanket. I really do think he could be a top five tight end, considering that C.J. Stroud is one of the most accurate rookie quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory. Uh, Dalton Schultz will have a lot of touchdowns if they can get in the red zone. He's going to have a lot of yards just catching little dinks and dunks from C.J. Stroud. He's going to have a great year. Now, following up on that, on the rookie quarterback model, I also really like Hayden Hurst. Not a lot of people talk about Hayden Hurst, but he's been a very productive tight end everywhere he's been. He's been slept on quite a bit with Cincinnati, with Baltimore, with Atlanta. He's been a guy who puts up solid numbers. And so now linking up with Bryce Young, I think he's got a really legitimate chance to continue to put up pretty good numbers. I'm not saying top five, but top like 10 to 15 range. Yeah, those are both solid guys, and you know, I was I did bring up Dalton Schultz a little early, so um, <laughs> I, I see I see we both see the vision there. Um, but a deep, deep sleeper guy, Juwan Johnson of the New Orleans Saints. Saints. He's been tearing, tear, you know, just murdering guys in camp. You know, he's kind of giving me a similar vibe to Darren Waller. How Darren Waller is absolutely murdering Giants camp. Juwan Johnson's made some noise. He played with the starters in the first preseason game and came out after they were done. I think there's there's volume for him there. I think Adam Troutman's now out of the mix. And Jawan Johnson very quietly had a solid end to the season last year with a red rifle at quarterback. So I think there's going to be targets to be spread out because eventually Michael Thomas is going to get hurt. And it's going to be Chris Olave and Jawan Johnson carrying the load on that offense. And with Alvin Kamara suspended, there's going to be targets to go around. I think I think that would be a good... 15th round pick if you had if you needed a backup tight end he could be there and have some good upside for you yeah he's a fantastic replacement for the inevitable injury of slantzilla <laughs> slantzilla well see i wasn't talking about waller but since i guess you're already um talking about him i'll, I'll pick i'll pick someone else so one i had originally was evan ingram i feel like for him going later with with lawrence again ridley is going to open up the field um you said christian kirk i feel like that Lawrence has all the weapons in the world on that team. I think Ingram, again, he also had a pretty solid fantasy season last year. Um, I think he can be your guy that'll get you at least 10 points in later round, you know, consistently because, again, the whole field is going to be opened up for him underneath. And then another guy, because of, of the situation last year, I think Kyle Pitts, it, he fell heavily. Oh, no. He f- Listen, listen. Oh, no. Listen. He fell heavily just because of, you know, um, Ritter coming in and then Mar- Mariota not missing him on every single wide-open attempt. But I feel I feel like genuinely with their function of how they're going to use Bijan and create space, I think I think Kyle Pitts will have a bounce back. Now he may, again, hope, hopefully he'll be consistent, but I think he will have that bounce back where he does deserve a a somewhat of a decent pick. Every it, it's just like the Cowboys every year <laughs> is Kyle Pitts year. And it, it never is. It never actually is. It might actually be though. I think <laughs> I think this is the, this hold is the on, one. Hold this on. is the one. I have a friend I have a friend in my fantasy league who has drafted Cowboys Kyle to the Pitts. Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk? No. Thanks. Anyways. No, I have a friend in my fantasy league 
who has drafted Kyle Pitts every year that he's been in the league. And his rationale is, I'll be damned if the year I don't draft him is the year he's finally good. So he's just, it's like gambling. He's just sticking with it until it hits, you know? But I want to go back to Evan Ingram. Um, The way we're talking about these Jaguars players, Trevor Lawrence better have like 7,000 yards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One player I want to mention that I didn't just because I didn't want to pick all Broncos is Dulcich with the Broncos because he only played six games last year and had 400 yards, and that was in Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Whereas Peyton is known for getting production from his tight ends, like Jeremy Shockey, uh, Jimmy Graham. Like he's he's always produced the tight ends. And so Dulcich is the tight end one. He could be, if you're sitting in the 15th round, you need a backup tight end. He's a great pick. Yeah. I also want to mention a name that didn't get thrown out. He's a rookie. Uh, went to Buffalo, Dalton Kincaid. I really, really like Dalton Kincaid. So that's all I have to say there. But, um, where we want to go next? We want to pivot to running backs or quarterbacks? Running backs. All uh, right. Go ahead and start us off. That's a tough one because it's hard to determine who's a sleeper and who's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll continue my trend with picking um, extremely late round picks, uh, end of the end of the draft flyers. Uh, Tank Bigsby is who I'm going to pick. He looked fantastic in the first preseason game. I know it's preseason, whatever. Um, getting good work in training camp. Could be the goal line back there. He's a little bit, he's got a separate um, facet of his game that uh, Travis Etienne really doesn't have is that bruising, get to the goal line type stuff. Tank Bigsby, I mean, it's in his name. He's a tank. And he he will get all of the action if Etienne goes down. So I'm, I'm taking a late round flyer on him as well. That's, that's one of the guys I've been targeting in all my drafts. For me, this isn't a really a late guy. He's more of a mid-round pick. Uh, but Khalil Herbert, I feel like he's set up to be the running back with, for the Bears, and he's he's a good back. Like He's always been solid, and so now that he's actually going to get the volume with Mo- Montgomery not there anymore, mm-hmm. he's going to be a great fantasy value, in my yeah. opinion. I'm going to counteract that. I have two guys that I want to talk about. Um, I do like Khalil Herbert, but I'm actually a little higher on Deontay Foreman, I think, in the Bears' backfield. Uh, I think he showed a little bit of what he's capable of in Carolina last year, and I think he does have potential not to be, like, one of the best three-down backs, but to be a three-down back. And in that regard, I think he's going to accumulate a lot of yards. Deontay Foreman's not fantastic out of the backfield, though, whereas Khalil Herbert has proven he's a receiving back. Yeah, well, Khalil Herbert is extremely versatile. But I think Deontay Foreman has the potential to be the Jamal Williams of this year, if you will. Like, I think he's going to get a lot of action toward the red zone, and he's going to put up good numbers as a result. So, now I'm not saying I'm not high on Khalil Herbert, because I do like him as well, but Deontay Foreman could also be a viable flex option if you needed him. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about, maybe he's not a sleeper to y'all, but Brian Robinson in Washington. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about him right now. But I think he has finally taken the starting role from Antonio Gibson. I think that experiment's over. And I think Brian Robinson has all the potential in the world. So keep an eye on him out of Washington. For my second back, uh, I'm going to go back to how we talked about first-round running backs getting a lot of production their rookie year. Jameer Gibbs with the Lions. Mm -hmm. Going back to the Lions offense, like they picked him – 12th, 14th, 12th overall. And so it's like they have to use him. They they traded DeAndre (laughs) Swift. They picked him at 12, even though he wasn't projected till Mm. bottom of the first round. Like they let Jamal Williams go. Yeah. And so it's he he has to produce. And so on on that aspect, volume alone, he should be a great fantasy value. Yeah, for sure. That's fair. I mean, I was gonna go with one of mine being David Montgomery, just because I feel like 
I feel like in the Lions offense, Montgomery's going to get play more of the Jamal Williams-esque role where he's going to get a lot of goal-end touches. So that flex for him possibly scoring because, I mean, they need someone to, uh, frankly, just replace him. And then another one, another guy I had more of like a mid-round kind of who's going to be the sole back of that offense is um, Cam Akers on the Rams. I feel like he's getting a heavy amount of um, touches every single game. But, again, the only issue with him is injury concern because, you know, he's had Achilles problems and whatnot. But if he can stay healthy, he's getting the main um, – bunch of carries so i feel like he's he should be primed for fantasy a lot of fantasy production yeah man <laughs> kyle pitts and cam Akers, man, <laughs> that is a walking heart attack <laughs> yeah. of a fantasy team i could not go into sunday night football needing cam Akers to get 3.7 fantasy <laughs> points and sean McVay is like you know what let's bring in malcolm brown from the dolphins <laughs> practice squad and don't let cam Akers such a ball but you know who I think it's kind of a crime that hasn't been talked about more just because he had the Rams had a down year last year is Cooper Cup. I mean, former triple crown winner, uh, Stafford's coming back healthy. Like I feel he has easily uh top five wide receiver potential this year. And His ADP is still first round, I believe, but like it's it's kind of just a formality at this point with Cooper Cup. Like you know he's going to go out and catch passes. Yeah, it's just it just feels like he's being slept on for him. Of That's all fair. Work. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's sim- he plays so similar similarly. Excuse me, to like Antonio Brown when like before the CTE, you know, <laughs> just a catching Pre- machine. Yeah. yeah, he he just catches the football and he's a yak machine. Yeah, I think yeah. the discount is coming at the rate of his injury is season-ending injury in at the early part of the season, and then Matthew Stafford's injury as well. I mean, Cooper Cup's injury is less scary than Matthew Stafford, obviously. Matthew Stafford potentially could have had a life-altering injury last, last year and was close to it. So the fact that he's coming back to play football is shocking in, in, in of itself. So I think that's why it's a discount. But if they're both on the field, he's going to get reps. So I, I don't see why it's not a problem. But listen, even if Stafford isn't, <laughs> you know who he's going to catch that ball from. Stetson Bennett. The Come Ford, on baby. The Come on, lock in. Oh, man. <laughs> Luke, did you give us your running backs? I gave a you tank, Bigsby. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. He did start. <laughs> well, <laughs> apologies. Things tend to run together for me sometimes. But let's go to quarterbacks. Whew. Well, I'm going to go first again? Okay. Um, <laughs> thinking about it, I really uh, – this one's bad. This one's really bad. But um, Deshaun Watson, you know, everything aside, everything aside, I think you have a year away from the drama and a year to lock in. You have a whole entire offseason to recuperate and get back or try to get back to the player you were in Houston in 2020. MVP-level player. When you add Elijah Moore, and you finally, you know, he didn't play that much uh, last year. And the final two games of the season, he looked more refined than he had been. <laughs> that is a horrible fantasy team name. Um, For those of you who can't see, which is everyone listening, um, I just showed Luke the name of my fantasy team for the season. It is Deshonorable Discharge. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... Well, hopefully he doesn't do everything he did when he was in Houston. On the, <laughs> on the football field, we're, we're, we're getting rid of all the off-field antics. He should have a personal driver pick him up at the tunnel and send him right to the hotel and lock him in. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. he, gets, he gets nothing. He just sits and watches film. But I think there's a chance there. There's weapons, there's an O-line, and there's an elite running back. Why not? Why, why, is, why is he not 
able to get back to his form. Is he just bad now? Who knows? Um, but my second pick, whew, just got to rep him, man. I just got to rep him. I got to have faith in my boy, Daniel Jones. Danny Dodds. Dodds. Vanilla Vic. You know, when you when you're <laughs> that out Bengals. when you're that accurate. And when you can have the legs, I think you're always going to be a viable fantasy option. He's not going to get you negative points. He may not blow the scoreboard off ever unless he goes on a 72-yard run and falls down before he gets the end zone. But I think with the another year under Dable, potential top five tight end in the league and Darren Waller coming to your offense, revamping. We drafted John Michael Schmitz at the offensive line. I think, I think now is the time for Daniel Jones to be a fantasy-relevant quarterback. So I would pick him as another sleeper. Uh, I'm a goober. I'm really, really high on the rookie class, but I'm not going C.J. Stroud. I think Bryce Young could have a fantastic rookie year. I think he could genuinely put up one of the best rookie quarterback seasons we've ever seen. Uh, my only issue with that's the the O line. The O line's terrible. Like he needs some protection first. <laughs> How good was his O line at Bama? Amazing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so. But my point is like. Uh, Bama's offensive line last year is probably just as good as the Panthers' line this year. Yeah, but they're not defending against college kids. That's fair, (laughs) but Bryce Young is, like, Bryce Young's got the brain. And, like, it's hard to beat somebody who can process football that quickly. His ability to improvise is going to allow him to do things that he shouldn't be able to. Did you watch the Panthers' preseason game? I did not. You should. Before you make that pick. Well, I don't really <laughs> care. I still think Bryce Young is going to have a very good, solid fantasy year. It's only preseason anyway. It is only doesn't, preseason. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. So, But, I mean, as controversial as that may be, I really like Bryce Young. But my other one is going to be a little more, like, conservative, if you will. I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is going to do pretty well with the Saints. I know a lot of people are high on him. A lot of people are low on him. He's one of the more polarizing quarterbacks out there. Um, he's finally got a halfway decent offensive line. The Saints have never had, like, a bad offensive line. The Raiders have never had a good offensive (laughs) line. (laughs) So, with proper protection, I think Derek Carr could potentially go back to putting up numbers that he put up in that MVP caliber season before he broke his ankle. Well, and even excluding that season, he's always put up like around four thousand yards, even as bad as Raiders teams have been. And so yeah, he he puts up similar numbers to Kurt Cousins with like half the weapons. It's yeah. honestly pretty impressive. Now, speaking of somebody who's has a lot of weapons and ha- only really has one year under his name, uh, I'm actually gonna go with Geno Smith. Uh, I know I wasn't high on him last year, uh, but I feel. His offense is only better. His offensive line improved as well. Uh, and so I feel there's no reason he can't put up the same or better numbers as he did last year. And so for if you're looking for a mid-round, mid-late-round quarterback, he'll be a consistent guy for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to put up any electric, like Lamar Jackson, Josh uh, Allen type numbers, but he'll be a consistent 15 to 20 points for you every week. Like, yeah, I absolutely agree. I was actually going to say Geno Smith, but – I chose to be a little more controversial. And he doesn't turn the ball over. (laughs) Yes. So no negative points. Very conservative with the football. And now another conservative pick as far as just getting you uh, probably a lot of touchdowns, not necessarily electric uh, yardage and stuff, uh, Brock Purdy. 
I feel like in the Niners' offense, you really just can't bet against any quarterback. You can't go wrong (laughs) picking a 49ers' offensive player. You can't. Yeah, and so he's just going to be – he'll be another consistent guy. He'll get you a lot – just because he has Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Shanahan at OC. Like, even if he's just dumping it off and being like, here, take it. Like That roster roster is a head coach's dream. It is so well put together. So easy to work with. Yes. Colin? Yeah, so I was going to say Gino also. That's pretty funny. Um, I guess the guy that I haven't really heard that much from, which is kind of surprising considering we talked about earlier, is Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, he's QB somewhere between 12 and 16, and, you know, and he's, for him being there with that with this offense, with, you know, Wilson, um, Lazard, Cobb, and then all the weapons that he has, with even with Conklin as a tight end, I feel like, I feel like Rodgers is primed to have a fantastic season, and I think he should be in the running for MVP. I feel like he's going to put up a lot of fantasy points and I don't know I don't know how he stooped like this low in drafts and then another guy I had was Kenny Pickett I feel like Kenny Pickett's gonna have a huge jump especially with you know Firemuth going in um George Pickens the Pickett to pick yeah Pickett to uh, Pickens is gonna go insane this year even with Deontay Johnson as a right receiver or is Pickens the number one receiver right it's now? Debatable, debatable at this point but still both of them are gonna go in um yeah I think he's gonna have a pretty big jump too so yeah I like both of those picks um Kenny Pickett's jump to me depends on the resurgence of Najee Harris. If they can get a solid run game, then it opens up Kenny Pickett's possibilities tremendously. So I'm re- I'm really banking on Najee Harris ha- returning to form, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if Najee can return to even be like three quarters of what he was his rookie year, I think the Steelers are going to be a very good team. Yeah, I mean. Najee has just so much potential. Yeah, it's honestly really sad and concerning what happened last year, but really hoping that he can rebound well. Well, that's all the time we have for today. As always, thank you guys for listening. Um, It's been a great episode. We're very, very happy to be back. Uh, We will talk to you guys soon, but first I'm going to pass it off to Luke. Yeah, um, I'm very excited to, you know, continue this with y'all, but like always, make sure to share with your friends, family, mom, dad, sister, dog, cat, neighbor, um, second cousin, whoever you want to, just get the publicity out there. And on that note, make sure to rate us five stars on Spotify. And while you're there, check out our description. Uh, it'll bring you right to our social media page. If you don't want to go there, it's damn.good.dogcast on all major social medias. Thank you guys for listening as always, and we will see you next time. See you next time. See you. Bye.